more holiness give me more strivings within. Does that sound a little familiar? Well, today from the International Gospel Hour, we will spend some time talking about that wonderful old hymn in light of Scripture. So get your Bibles ready and stay tuned. On Jordan's stormy banks I stand. Hi, this is Jay Webb for International Gospel Hour. For almost 90 years, Churches of Christ have proclaimed God's Word through International Gospel Hour. You are about to listen to another Bible-based lesson with Jeff Archie of International Gospel Hour, starting now. I am bound for the promised land. Thank you to our Jay Webb for his kind words, and you'll hear from Jay throughout our broadcast with some free material and things that will be of help in your studies. With that being said, greetings to all of you here from the International Gospel Hour. How indebted we are to you, our listeners, for tuning in. For almost 90 years, we have served through the realm of radio and also in recent years, other opportunities and open doors of communication. Wherever you may be listening to us, thank you for choosing us, and we want to make your time within the Word of God profitable. You see, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, 2 Timothy 3.16. And we appreciate your desire for truth. In John 8, verses 31 and 32, Jesus said to those who believed Him, specifically those Jews, If you abide in My word, you are My disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So let us always turn to the Word of God that we may abide therein and be obedient to His commands, His will, and His ways. Might we meditate upon the Scripture today as we begin with Isaiah 35, beginning with verse 4, going through verse 8. Say to those who are fearful-hearted, Be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For water shall burst forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. The parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water. In the habitation of jackals where each lay, there shall be grass with reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there, and a road and it shall be called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for others. Whoever walks the road, although a fool, shall not go astray. Now, some have called Isaiah 35 the most beautiful passage in the entire Bible. That's interesting, because with this text, the prophet Isaiah gives us a wonderful look at the church to come, which is that way of holiness, back in verse 8. Now, this also ties in to those whom Isaiah is writing. And remember, at this point in the book of Isaiah, he is telling Israel and Judah as a whole, you're going into captivity because of your wickedness. But God never forgot His remnant, and God even brought them back. He reminds them that one does not have desolation, but rather restoration. One does not see vengeance, but victory. One does not see hopelessness, but 
holiness. And God is aiming His children during that time toward this kind of life. Today, through the Lord's church, there is restoration of a soul. There is victory only in Christ, in His church, in His body, Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, 1 Corinthians 15, 57 and 58. And there's also holiness. Did you note how Isaiah, the Lord through Isaiah said, a highway shall be there, it's the highway of holiness? Can you think of a better road in which to travel? Let's think about holiness for a moment. When we look at that word in the Old Testament, it means something that belongs to the sphere of the sacred, to be clean, pure, or consecrated. Now, how could they be holy in the Old Testament? Well, by doing what God commanded. And being consecrated means that they would come out of one way of life and enter into the right way of life following God. When we go to the New Testament, the meaning does not have a great amount of difference. It's a word that means to be sanctified or to be a saint. It's an Anglo-Saxon word meaning well or whole. The person that is holy, according to God, is well and whole spiritually. When one is sanctified, that's a word that means you are set apart from the world, but set apart unto God and His bidding. We serve God. And yes, the person that walks holy and faithful, the Christian, is a saint. I know there may be the occasion someone may look in a degrading way, in a very critical way, well, what do you think you are, a saint? Well, you know, the Christian could answer in light of Scripture, yes, through God, I am a saint. Sainthood is not bestowed upon one who has died because of the good life they lived. Sainthood is bestowed upon the one who is dead to Christ and now lives for Him. Paul referred to the church as saints over and over again in his letters in the New Testament. Then we think also about holy, an adjective that takes the word a little stronger, and we've just mentioned it, to be separated from sin or to be pure. You see, God is holy, thus He is separate from sin, Revelation 4.8. And Christians are called to be holy in their living, and we should, through God, strive to be separated from sin. This is what Peter told the Christians in 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16. But as he which has called you is holy, so you be holy in all manner of conversation or of your lifestyle, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Where that was written is going back to the book of Leviticus. God has always wanted his people to live holy lives in accordance to his will and commands. The scriptures are called holy in Romans 1 and verse 2 and 2 Peter 3 and verse 2. They are sufficient to make us holy individuals. Paul told the young man Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.15 that from a child he had known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete or perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works." The Scriptures instruct us how to live holy lives.
Now, thinking about this, I recall that sweet hymn that I mentioned as we began our broadcast, More Holiness Give Me. Now, Philip Bliss was the writer of this hymn, and it is said that he wrote this hymn after giving up musical convention work and committed himself greater to the Lord's work. He simply called the song, My Prayer. And the song has a plea for holiness. Now today, we will only have time to look at the first stanza. And this is our study on holiness, or as we're simply calling it, More Holiness Give Me. In future broadcasts, we will also consider the other stanzas of this hymn. But for today, we'll begin with stanza one. Before we do that, here is or shall I say, here are a few words from our J-Web about our work at International Gospel Hour. Our website is internationalgospelhour.com. That's internationalgospelhour.com. Please check it out and listen to our other broadcasts, learn more of our history, download our app, request our newsletter, and ask for our free Bible study by mail. Also, check out our free resources available from our fellow laborers in the gospel. Yes, friends, all for you through our website at internationalgospelhour.com. Okay, then, let's continue today's study. The first stanza of the hymn, More Holiness Give Me, is broken down into eight different segments. More Holiness Give Me, More Strivings Within, more patience in suffering, more sorrow for sin, more faith in my Savior, more sense of His care, more joy in His service, more purpose in prayer. Now again, Mr. Philip Bliss that penned this song called it My Prayer. And of course, within the hymn, he is pleading for more. Now God is sufficient to grant unto His children what they need. But there is nothing wrong with us pleading to grow and to improve. So let's take this hymn and let's learn today about more holiness and the things God provides to help one toward that end. We simply begin with the phrase, more holiness, give me. Now, please recollect our thoughts from the introduction to be holy in all manner of life, 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16. And we are encouraged to be partakers of His holiness as Christians, Hebrews 12, verse 10. And a most humbling passage later in Hebrews 12, at verse 14, that says, Follow peace with all men, and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. So, holiness is indeed a way of living a word that we noted that means to be sanctified or set apart from the world, and to be holy means to be set apart unto God. And the Christian must be set apart from the world and set apart unto God for God's bidding and His service. The Christian must make an impact in the world. And we need to grow in a world that comes at us with so many things to walk holy. In 1 Peter 3, in verse 15, Peter says, But sanctify, you see there's that word again, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and 
Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. When you look at that verse by itself, when we sanctify God in our hearts, then that moves us to be individuals who are ready to give that answer, to give the answer of the hope that is within us with meekness and fear, understanding the power of God's Word, but with meekness, with humbleness, to approach God's Word with the reverence and respect and the fear therein, but also to be able to give an individual an answer for our hope. What a beautiful, beautiful thought. And dear friends, that's why that as the Christian, one must plead to God, more holiness give me and to grow therein. Here's a second phrase, more strivings within. You know, that is a very unique plea, is it not? You know, more strivings within. And you wonder, if we are to sing with the Spirit and the understanding, and we've been commanded to do so in 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen, then I need to understand what that means. Well, the word striving is a word that means we express our, we exert power, a strenuous effort toward a goal to contend and to compete. Well, now, would that not keep one alert and sharp as one strives to walk in holiness? Think about these passages that instruct one to strive or to press onward. How about Hebrews 12:2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God? How about Paul in Philippians 1:21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain? You see, one cannot be comfortable looking back. One must press onward to strive to put forth now walking in holiness and on the highway of holiness that we press onward serving and striving and put forth that effort because Paul said in Philippians 3, 13 and 14, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to the things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now I can understand that striving within. That's something that will help me to keep myself pushing and growing toward walking holy within God. Here's the third phrase. More patience in suffering. That is a plea for endurance with what is before us. You see, sometimes, or as we suffer, sometimes, friends, we just have to go through things. Sometimes we want things fixed immediately, and it just cannot be. But when we suffer and we're faced with a challenge, maybe it drives us to depths where we do need to be. Paul in Romans 5, verses 3 through 5 said, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations or sufferings also. How? Well, knowing that tribulation or sufferings works patience, patience, experience, experience hope, and hope makes us not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which is given unto us. How about Ephesians 6 and verse 18? When we put on the armor of God as Christians, 
We need to look at the strategy where we are praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. God will allow the strength needed for one to persevere. He does provide. I think about Paul in 2 Corinthians 7 with the thorn in the flesh, or rather 2 Corinthians chapter 12 with the thorn in the flesh, where God provided for him what he needed. Let's build on this matter of more patience in suffering, and look at the next phrase, more sorrow for sin. Now, I mentioned 2 Corinthians 12, where God provided his grace unto Paul with that thorn in the flesh. He did not answer Paul's prayer to remove it, but he answered Paul's prayer and provided for him to help him grow and endure, and Paul's attitude changed. When we think about 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 10, more sorrow for sin, we're reminded of that verse that says, and again 2 Corinthians 7:10, for godly sorrow works repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world works death. You see, friends, there's a difference in being sorrowful and repenting. Godly sorrow moves one to repentance, moves one to change. 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 10 affirms such. You see, when an individual believes in God, they're not Christians, but they believe there is a God. That's simply not enough. Why the devils believe and tremble, James 2 verse 19. When you look at faith within the Scripture, faith that is acceptable unto God is a faith that moves a person to be obedient unto God according to God's will and God's way. There are multitudes of people walking this earth. Well, I believe in God. Well, I believe in God. But they absolutely do nothing, N-O-T-H-I-N-G, to live for Him. It's not the faith we need, and that's not the faith the Bible teaches. You see, when one obeys the gospel, it's through their faith that they accept the command of repentance, Acts 2.38, Luke 13.3 and 5. They accept the command of confession, Matthew 10, 32 and 33, and confess that faith, for example, as the eunuch did in Acts 8, 37. But based upon that confession, they are then baptized into Christ for the remission of sins, Acts 2 and verse 38. For those sins to be washed away, thus they are calling on the name of the Lord at that point, Acts 22:16. And as the Christian is sorrowful for sin... It will drive one to the throne of God where Jesus is on the right hand, Hebrews 12:2, as we confess one's sins with the assurance he is faithful and just to forgive his children. My friends, that's 1 John 1, 7 through 9. That's written to the Christian who has that hope. And today, many do not want to be motivated to sorrow over sin. We are in a day and an age where folks prefer to just feel comfortable in their sin and just walk along blindly, what I believe, and just keep living that way. But you see, friends, more holiness keeps us aware of sin, and one will drive that sin so far away from one's life who is in Jesus Christ. And the more sorrow that we are aware of what it will bring upon us, the more sin we want to put away from us because we no longer want that sorrow. Dear friends, I want to pause here for just a moment, about 30 seconds, a few words from our J-Web, and we'll come back and conclude our thoughts on this wonderful hymn. 
Why not follow the International Gospel Hour on social media? You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and others. Please type International Gospel Hour into the search engine, and you can like and follow our pages to keep up with the latest news and efforts of our labors. We would be honored to have you follow us on social media. And now, back to Jeff. And now, friends, how about more faith in my Savior? In Galatians 2.20, Paul said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Did you note that? I live by the faith of the Son of God. Well, we desire more faith in our Savior and to live in that faith. I don't need to let up with a holy life that's consecrated to God in Christ. And I need to grow my faith in Christ every day. More faith, more maturity to grow in the areas that our Savior instructs us. Uh, For example, forgiveness. How can I grow to be a better person to forgive? Let me keep growing as a holy individual. I love the next phrase of that hymn that says, More sense of his care. You see, that's the reminder how much he cares. And Peter's simple words in 1 Peter 5, 7, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Oh my, I wish time would allow us to look at the assuring words of Christ in Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34. What a great study. And it speaks of the birds and the lilies of the field and God's care of them. And then in verse 30, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? God's holiness that is provided upon our obedience to Him comes from the same Father to help me in my cares, to help me press onward as I strive to walk holy for Him. How about more joy in His service? You know, joy is part of the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22 I think of Matthew 13.44, that very brief parable where the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth it, and for joy therefore goes and sells all that he has, and buys that field. He had that joy that motivated him to move onward. Romans 12.1 I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. What a wonderful text of joy to keep us moving forward. More joy in His service, that as we serve, it's that joy, it's that feeling and assurance. Not what we can get, but what we can give. And when we give, God will see to it that we get. The final prayer of stanza one, or the final plea, if you will, Let me get this right. The final phrase, there it is. The phrase, the plea of more holiness give me. How about more purpose in prayer? Now, that's interesting. Purpose. When we pray, friends, what is our purpose? Hebrews 4.16 tells us, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What if our prayers reflected everything we've mentioned so far in this hymn? I mean, after all, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, James 5.16. Now imagine what I could avail if I practiced on my feet what I said on my knees. 
How about the assurance to his children in 1 John 5.14? And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Friends, maybe we need to pray with a purpose, to be specific, to ask unto God, as the pattern Jesus brings forth in Matthew 7, verses 6 and 7, and in 1 Timothy 2 and verse 1. What a wonderful thought. Dear friends, have we prompted you to think about your life today? When we talk about our subjects here on International Gospel Hour and we discuss things, we find that many individuals want to further study these things on their own. Here is our J. Webb with his final thoughts and a free online study available just for you. Then I'll come back and wrap up our broadcast today. Our friends at World Bible School have a wonderful online Bible study available, and it is free. That's right, it's free. Please visit worldbibleschool.org and register. You will be provided a study helper who can answer questions and provide feedback for your lessons. Please sign up today. That's the free online study at worldbibleschool.org. Dear friends, the recurring theme of this broadcast and the study of more holiness give me is simply more, a plea to God for more. We do not plead with that to, as in James 4 and verse 3, to heap it up on our lust and desires, but a plea to our Father to mold ourselves in His image and for His will to be done. Friends, if you have not obeyed the gospel of Christ, or if you find yourself growing more confused of things you have heard in light of the scripture of what we brought forth, we stand ready to help you in your studies. If we can help you, not only can you go online to us at internationalgospelhour.com, but call us at 855-444-6988, and we'll be glad to help you with material as we can. You can also write us at P.O. Box 118, Fayetteville, Tennessee, 37334. And we'll continue our studies at another time. Thank you for joining me today on the International Gospel Hour broadcast. I'm Jeff Archie, and friends, as always, stay tuned and keep listening to us. Thank you for listening today. May this study prompt your search of God's Word for His will in your life. To assist you in your study or to listen to other programs, please visit our website at internationalgospelhour.com. To God be the glory.